You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate, hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And I'm so excited because I'm joined by my other podcast co-host from Swiftish, Ashley. Hello. I'm so excited to be on this podcast right now. I know. Who would have thought it would happen so quickly since Lover a year ago? So... Not truly me. blessed <laughs> truly blessed uh matt's prayers have been answered another taylor swift album uh yes. yes i mean you know that she was my favorite musical artist of 2019 <laughs> somehow according to spotify and so i was just craving another album from her i've just been listening to that one song from cats and also that go vote song from her propagandist Ooh, documentary yes. for yeah. the past however many months and i needed a new album so thankfully it's here I was like, I was like, wait, what propaganda sound? I didn't know what you were talking about. What? And I was like, Taylor does propaganda? What? Yeah, Sorry. Well, only no. for herself. Yeah, Matt has some feelings about Miss Americana, I guess, but he still appreciated the burrito anecdote. Wait, what burrito anecdote? <laughs> Where she'd never Crunchy. eaten a burrito until like a year before the the uh, the documentary. She'd never had a burrito in her life. I don't remember this at all. This oh was in gosh. the documentary. This is in the documentary. Mm-hmm. I must have watched it in a fugue state. <laughs> Did it? You talked about it on our episode about Miss Americana. We had an ep- We did not do a full episode on Miss Americana. No, I swear I know, we did. We definitely talked about it. I mean, hello. Okay. I mean, odd then, I guess, that it's very weird that she only a year ago had a burrito as an international pop star, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Yeah, but anyways, the good news is Taylor Swift made all of our lives better in this dark year of 2020 when she released a surprise album, um, I guess, two two weeks ago? The 24th? Uh, Yes, it was released on the 24th. Yeah, how she announced feel, it apparently Matt? 16 hours ahead of time. I mean, so obviously I am not in tuned with the Taylor Swift uh fandom, especially since you guys' podcast was on hiatus. I feel like I was sort of checked out of all of that and just assumed <laughs> that Taylor was, you know, quarantining like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then she released this news and I was like, was there was there a warning of this? Did we know? Were there rumors? I feel like, was she hinting about this? Was there like, a you know, six window portholes and a picture of a boat that she took that we should have been registered it? But what, But I don't think there was. Was there? Did you know anything, Ashley? There was. There was one thing <laughs> oh, that Taylor no. Swift posted. You didn't know, no. though. It wasn't like a... You didn't no, anticipate it. It was a sign. And <laughs> if you were in the Swifty fandom, you were this aware of people. No, 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 Shelby. You were aware of people starting to talk. And even if I wasn't on the bandwagon, a lot of other Swifties were like, the rumor mill was starting turning because on April 27th, Taylor released, not released, sorry, she posted a picture of herself just kind of looking at the camera and the caption was, not a lot going on at the moment. (laughs) And everyone was like, oh my gosh, Taylor's doing something. Why would she post that? And then other people like me and Shelby were like, oh, she's just quoting a lyric that's very relatable to quarantine. This isn't going on. And lo and behold, (laughs) she was writing a song that day. She'd actually sent a memo to Aaron Dessner 
with the song she had finished. So some of those Swifties were accurate and were right, thinking that that was Easter egg. Yes, yeah. I mean, that happened. But I do need to point out a timestamp issue, which is that she posted (laughs) that in the evening of April 27th or whatever. But she didn't send the song to Aaron Dessner until like 2 a.m. later that day. So she could be writing the song. That's what she (laughs) was doing. Yeah. I mean, I thought he sent it at like midnight and she whipped it up really fast. Okay, you guys, I I think we're in the weeds a little bit here. But the moral of the story is that even if somebody thought that possibly there was something happening, nobody expected her (laughs) to release a full album on a day's notice. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. A unique Mm-mm. experience. Because well, usually we get these prolonged album, you know, release PR stunts that she has, where it's like a <laughs> she's releasing tidbits and she's doing interviews and there's Easter eggs hidden and there's various singles and music videos ahead of time. There was that one album where she had everybody doing all watching YouTube videos and stuff <laughs> to get points to buy Reputation. tickets to the concert. Like, so it was very strange for her. <laughs> To mm-hmm. drop an album out of nowhere. That's correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it, was, it was pretty counterintuitive to everything Taylor Swift has trained us to expect because she likes the the showmanship of a of an album cycle. So it was quite the morning news mm-hmm. to wake up to. How did I you will- react? <laughs> well, I I woke up to uh, I have notifications set for when Taylor Swift posts because you know it's my duty as a as a podcast host of a Taylor Swift podcast to stay in the news. And so, do you have notifications for when I post? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> rude, not comparable. Um, but anyways, she had posted like thirty seven times as she laid out this artwork for her new album. And it was very discombobulating. I was very confused and then very, Mm -hmm. I felt like I had missed something, like I'd slept through a week of news or something or missed a clue somewhere. But no, I mean, after that, it was just a frenzied day of, of waiting for this album to drop and wondering what it would be like and sort of guessing you know, trying to get myself mentally and emotionally prepared for what was coming because it was clear it would be different than anything she'd done before. Yeah, because when did we know it was going to be a folk album and not like a pop album or a country album? I think well, that I, day yeah, when I mean, she I, re- released the statement. Yeah. I don't know if she said like what genre it was, but I mean, we're all smart individuals. Like it, it's called folklore. It's like mm-hmm. a very black and white, you know, she had a a thematic energy to the announcement. So I don't think anyone was expecting like pop, you know, and she said Aaron Dessner was a producer on it. And so that kind of helped Bonnie Vare was a guest. So it's like, okay, we're, we're, we have some clues here. Mm-hmm. So, so, so then I feel like my question was sort of like, this was written all during quarantine. Yes. None of this is like from a previous something or another. She wrote like all of this within the past couple of months. Yeah, I think that's the the argument. I mean, she said Aaron Dessner has been like talking a lot about the process. And he said that, yeah. And who is he? 
He is the writer and singer on the National, which is in sort of indie. Band. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know the National. <laughs> you know I'm very. I'm yeah. up on the time. <laughs> They're a hu- huge fan. Yeah. Very close Big with Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um. So he said that Taylor had reached out to him in April and was like, "Would you be open to collaborating?" And there wasn't like full plans on like, "Oh, I want to do an album. I want eleven tracks. I want it to be done by this date." It was more we're bored in quarantine. Let's see what we pull together. Mm-hmm. And then she also worked with Jack Antonoff, who I think she started a little earlier with just because she said she wrote one of the Jack Antonoff songs first. So it, it seems like, yeah, it probably all started in April. And then she just realized she could throw out a quarantine album in <laughs> July. So I know. And who would have thought it would have been like one of her most successful, successful albums. <laughs> yeah. Like with no promotion, no nothing, yeah. leading up to, you know, one day's notice, and that's when that's when she starts breaking all these records. Yeah, everyone's just bored in quarantine, just listening <laughs> to it over and over again. And it's really good. Though. Like, it's yeah. really good. <laughs> I so like it. When when it came out that like okay, this was going to be a pop album, or I mean a folk album, were you? Uh, excited, Ashley? Were you like, oh, this is a turn we she, like? I'm excited for her to take, or were you more hesitant? Do you remember the last episode we did last year when we reviewed Lover? Yes. Do you remember <laughs> what one of my favorite songs on the album was? Oh yes, I do. the The terrible one towards no, the end. The, it's nice um, to have a friend. Yes, yes. No, I, I love that song. I remember talking about how I like how it's like a little indie, a little folkish. And then we did a question and answer episode a while back, and one of our listeners had asked, like, do we have any Easter eggs for T- like TSA, which is now folklore? And I was joking around, and I did not think, and like, I'm not saying this in any serious means. Do not like think that yeah, I knew what I was talking it. about. Yeah. But I, I, I joked around. And I threw out that it's nice to have a friend is going to be the sound of TS8. Mm-hmm. Which is very similar. It's a folkish, indie-ish mm. song <laughs> sound, and I'm here for it. I love this. I love everything about this album. I mean, it's I think great. lucky for Taylor, this album is better than that song. But you know, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I okay. think that's. I think that's the thing. Is every this isn't like an about turn for Taylor for anyone who's paid any attention to her mm-hmm. career. Like she's had songs like like these sort of indie plays on songs throughout her albums um especially in red and then you have you she always goes back to sort of the singer songwriter vibe in at least a couple of tracks and so to me I was more excited to see her kind of dedicate herself to that instead of worrying about you know pop hits or stadium bangers like she was just Mm going to be able to write and just be her at her piano with her like moments to herself which I think is usually what we end up loving as Taylor Swift fans is the storytelling and the the imagery and just all of that so I felt like I was a little concerned if she'd go too hard like folk and we got a lot of weird (laughs) (laughs) we got like a lot of weird disconnected imagery that doesn't always like land to me where like they're just singing nonsense basically but no it felt like a very Taylor Taylor twist on the on the genre Mm-hmm. So you guys both really liked the album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was yeah. your feeling? Because you were so, so... You gave it like a... You gave Lover the album like a like a C grade, would you say? Or like a B plus? I mean, so 
It's very interesting because I feel like Lover had high highs, but then also had low lows. And I Mm -hmm. think because it was such a long album, there was so much in that back half that I was just like, this could have been cut. Like, this was Mm -hmm. unnecessary. And Lover, I think, also had had, still had some of the, like, reputation baggage on there where she had a few (laughs) more, like, uh, people she wanted to kind of send some zingers to (laughs) on her way out of reputation. So... I I liked this album because I feel like there's not as much of that. It's much more like just her kind of doing her thing, which I liked that these songs don't have as many like Easter eggs and aren't about specific people and can kind of uh, it feels like she's matured like past that in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. But then at the same time, I feel like the things that I liked about Lover and in 1989 and red were some of these more fun songs and mm-hmm. also having kind of some different sounds in there so that when you're listening, depending on your mood or depending on like, I don't know what you, you know, if you're having a party, if you're whatever, there's different songs mm-hmm. where this felt like very cohesive, but it's all sort of like one thing mm-hmm. for me. This is a really good album to like play while you're studying or like on a road trip or something. But the songs all sort of like weave in and out from each other where I honestly have been having a hard time. Like, okay, which song is this? Which song is that? When I was putting my notes together, I had to keep like listening to the songs to be like, okay, that's this one. This is what I think about that. Okay. That's this song. This is what I think about that. Like it was, it's not like on lover where you have like, lover which is sort of uh like a slower song and then you have cruel summer and then you have whatever that one that's like a 1920s kind of uh feel and then you have the and then you have the one that you like i don't know oh there's one it's like in the middle and it's sort of like um i don't know it's kind of like jaunty and fun and upbeat but it's not Yes, yes. Okay. There we go. Like paper rings. Forties or never 60s. call it that, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, sure. Like older, you know, kind it's of like a, like a girl retro. Band yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, same thing. And then nice to have a friend, you know, slow. Yeah. And me, don't mm. forget the. Oh, oh yes, favorite song. <laughs> yeah. Yes, me. For huh. this thing from folklore, I guess, which is maybe why I appreciated it so much, but. No, I can totally, I can see that. Like, I think that was some of the complaints. Like, this is honestly one that this is her most well-reviewed album. It has like an 89 on Metacritic. It's been most received very well by most every single major site. But the few criticisms that there are is that there are a lot of tracks and some of them do start to sound, if not the same, but just kind of, you're stuck in the same genre. So there isn't that sort of differentiating Mm. factor. Yeah. I feel like, like with lover, this song could have probably lost about four tracks. And I think it would have been, I mean, I don't know if better is the word, but like a stronger, <laughs> more interesting album where this sort of feels like in the tail end, it kind of like wanders know, off into the woods I love every by single itself. track. Like that's the problem is like, I can agree on a, on a logical level that like this could have been shortened and, stood out even stronger but then i'm like but i treasure each and every one of these songs Mm -hmm. whereas lover and even reputation i could pick out i could pick out songs to cut very well reputation you could probably cut about 10 (laughs) songs and be fine with it so album yeah (laughs) not me (laughs) yeah (laughs) so here's a question i have for you 
I read that when it was announced that there was eight different physical albums <laughs> that came out, which, you know, hashtag cash grab. And I wondered right? how many of those did each of you purchase? <laughs> What's your guess? Uh, I feel like at least four. <laughs> four. Well, I I bought one hard copy because I, I like having a CD in my car. It was mm-hmm. very confusing to me because at first I was like, what's the difference? And it's really just album art. It's just what you want on the cover, really. Um, but then also she had vinyls. She had cassette tapes, I guess. Or oh, yeah, I saw back. those too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't remember, Ashley, what your final number was. So I ended up buying the CD, mm-hmm. which is one of the CDs. And then I remembered I don't have a CD player. <laughs> and so I went and I got a vinyl because I have a, a record player. And I bought one because it was pink and I loved it. And I um, <laughs> actually have another one coming on the way because my husband, my birthday is coming up, bought me one too. And <laughs> we didn't communicate that I was buying one and he was buying. So I will it have happens. three copies not on purpose. Um, <laughs> no three shame. copies. Don't let no Matt shame. make you feel bad. <laughs> well, no. Like when when she did that, I was just at first the way she marketed it was a little confusing to me, and it was marketing genius. At first, it was going to be ev- like every twenty four hours, and one of the new exclusive albums would be available, and then it just would switch with all this different merch. And I just was kind of there. There wasn't really anything that I wanted off of all of them. Like during Lover, she had four different ones with like different journal entries, which I found mm-hmm. to be really interesting to me. Especially like when we were doing a podcast about Lover mm-hmm. and you know talking about the songs, and I figured mm-hmm. the journal entries would relate to the songs. But yeah. and I just and what and I just didn't understand why she was doing that. But a lot of people were buying. Eight, and then she would buy. They buy the singles that she released, like for Cardigan. So she's just making so much money, (laughs) and she's rising on the charts because people are buying so many different um, versions of her albums on all these different platforms. Well, okay. So here's another question I have. So Cardigan (laughs) is the lead single Mm -hmm. on this album, and obviously the album has done very well to date. Do we think that the singles that come off of this will inevitably like do like do we think that they'll do better than the ones from Lover, worse, comparable? Like how do we feel the singles are going to work off of this? I don't know, it's tricky cuz I feel like this album really hit a universal feeling of this sad summer we're all having as a world. And so it's much easier to tune in and everyone wants to be in on the know and talk about it. And they're also Mm -hmm. engaged in sort of that like sad, depressed, reflective mode that Taylor Swift nailed on this album. And so I'm not surprised it's doing so well, especially since competition is just a totally different beast this year as far as like people just aren't creating and it's a lot, there's a lot more open market, I guess. But I think these are some of her better songs and you're reaching a new audience that didn't originally like Taylor once she transitioned to pop because she became too like sugar-coated. It felt insincere. It was like silly or vapid or whatever they want to describe it as. Whereas this feels more substantial. So you might get more, you might get more engagement on a song like Betty or August than you would when you're dealing with something that has the cheerfulness of you need to calm down that doesn't quite nail its allyship or even the man, which is a clever song, but it's sort of 
intro level feminism, you know? So I could see these songs continuing to perform well just because it it attaches itself to maybe an older audience. Yeah, I think they'll get more um, radio playtime too because it's not that like sugar pop that you're going to get tired of like Shelby was mentioning like in a couple of seconds. I think mm-hmm. it just – like the audience view the more it's more mature it's one of the it's the most mature albums she's ever written so i think it's gonna really hit home well i mean yeah like there's some f words in here <laughs> yeah. so i mean obviously this Hardcore. is like more for adults um and i was trying to think of like okay who is like who is the audience for this obviously i think taylor swift fans are going to like it and i think that this works especially well for Taylor Swift fans who are maybe like aging out of mm-hmm. what is a traditional like pop star fandom, you know, like I could, I can see people in their twenties and thirties definitely being more into this than, um, you know, Matt, some other stuff. Um, I do have yeah. to let you know that on the last episode, I echoed the same sentiments and we got a few emails from young Swifties, like 11, 12 <laughs> being like, I love this album. It's so great. So you better watch what you say. Cause you might get a few emails from some <laughs> listeners being um, like, stop like boxing me in a corner. I'm very mature. I can really relate <laughs> to Taylor's writing no matter what age I am. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, wild. I'm, I'm braced for emails, you know, constantly <laughs> based on my opinions on Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say is like, I don't know how many of the people who are like usually listening to the national are mm-hmm. going to be like, ah, l- yes, this Taylor Swift mm-hmm. album is my jam. Mm-hmm. No- whether or not like they actually like it, I think is different than like whether they'll take the time to listen to it or whether they'll admit to liking it just because of who Taylor Swift is as a brand. Mm-hmm. So I sort of am like, I can see where this g- makes sense for her going based on her current fandom, but I'm sort of not exactly sure if a lot of like the Brooklyn hipsters <laughs> are going to be like, ah, yes, now Taylor Swift is one of us. Yeah. Like I'm going to listen to mm-hmm. this along with like the Arctic monkeys or whatever. What I can envision happening is um, in Saturday night, um, SNL. They did that that Swift Mine little clip. I don't know if you remember it. People are like running to oh, yes. a song. Everyone, they're like, I really like the song. I really like the song. Who sings it? And they're like, Taylor Swift. <laughs> what? I feel like we're going to run into those kind of moments. Oh, I think the song's going to okay. play and they're going to be like, I really like the song. Like Exile's going to come on and another like maybe August is going to come on and they're going to really dig the song and they're like, who sings this? And they're going to say, they're going to look at, they're like, oh my gosh, I need to take a pill because it's Taylor Swift. I don't like Taylor Swift, but I love this song. That is what I'm envisioning happening with some of these people who really aren't – they're kind of opposed to Taylor, but they hear it without knowing who the artist is. They might, Mm. you know, appreciate it I mean, let's like like talk numbers because, yeah, Swifties are many and we are a fierce bunch and they will buy eight albums or whatever – but we've done that for every single album she's done and it has never been as successful as this one. Mm-hmm. Like this one, her yep. single just debuted at um, both Billboard and the Hot 100 at number one, which is the first time in history that has happened for any artist, male or female. Um, it's the only the 41st song in the history of the world to debut at number one because usually it just takes a couple weeks to get up there. It broke like Spotify streaming records. Uh, it had like 80 million streams in a single day. It sold over 800,000 copies in the U.S., making it the best-selling record of the year already and means that Taylor is now the first 
artist in U.S. history to have seven albums sell more than 500 copies in the first week and the first female artist to have seven albums debut at number one. So it's like she she is she is Taylor Swift and that helps. But it also means that this album is doing something different because mm-hmm. it's performing differently. Yep. I guess we'll have to see how it, how it, cause I'm sort of like, okay, well, like, yes, all of that makes sense, but also she's Taylor Swift. Also, this is, you know, I mean, it's big news. She's dropping it. There's not a lot of competition. I think with Lover, she didn't hit all of those like number ones and stuff because she was up against, um, what was that song from last summer? that everybody old town old town road (laughs) yes and it's like what is like where is that now you know so anyway anyways Mm -hmm. we shall see i mean only time can really tell but (laughs) last time that you were on the podcast ashley we sort of guessed what we thought each other's favorite songs on the album would be and then uh you know just sort of went through it track by track so i don't know do you already know what shelby's favorite song is or maybe it's changed (laughs) She mentioned yesterday which one she's really, really uh, vibing. So, yes, I think I know which one she is really liking right now. Let's just do top three and see yeah. if it's changed or um, if we can even come close to guessing your taste, Matt, which is, you know, impossible yeah, maybe, for me. Maybe fun for Matt for us to turn <laughs> yeah. the tables and just all eyes on you, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Well, what <laughs> songs do you think are my favorites then on this album? Um, I'm going to say Exile. Okay. I'm going to say that you like Exile. Um, hop in wherever you want, Shelby, because I am st- – maybe August. A lot of people are liking August. And uh, My Tears Ricochet. Maybe that's – maybe those are the Honestly, ones Honestly, Ashley, I have no idea. Like, I wish I could tell you what to anticipate with Matt's taste, but that okay. is just impossible for me. And also with something like this, it's hard because – I feel like he tends toward pop. I mean, his favorite musical experience this year was Eurovision. Uh, so, what? okay, yeah. so, <laughs> so maybe he's gonna like something like the one or um, invisible or is it invisible string? Like, is it invisible string? I'm gonna that guess, is a song that is on this album. I'm gonna guess Matt's favorites are. <laughs> Dang it. I don't know. Let's they all say, sound alike. Let's say Matt's favorite is uh Betty mm. and Yep, I can um, see. and the one and August. This is this is very interesting. <laughs> I can't wait to get in this. Okay. So let me see if I can guess what maybe your favorites are. <laughs> um okay, let's see. Shelby loves a good bop. So which on here is a bop? There's really not one. Um, she also loves sort of a political statement. So I feel like Mad Woman, maybe. I'm going to put that in the top. Um, I could see you liking Mirrorball. That sort of has like a, I don't know, like a school dance kind of vibe that maybe you could get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to say Betty. Uh, okay, now for Ashley, I have to really do some strategizing here because last time she liked what was my least favorite song on the album. So let's go down to the bottom of this ranking that I oh, did gosh. Oh my gosh. and okay. say that your three favorites are going to be Hoax, Peace, and Illicit Affairs. So there we go. I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> 
I honestly don't know how any of us did. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I mean, our you, you I'm also still not sure that every single song on this album isn't the same song. So, <laughs> we will get into it. Um track 1 is called The One. I feel like this is sort of maybe the most poppy song on the album. Yeah, no, it's uh, a good transition from like it's a good notification of what to expect, but it kind mm-hmm. of brings you in the shallow end of folklore. You know, it lets you dip your toes in first. Ashley and I just did a cover of this. So if you want to hear our deep dive, you can go to Swift. A cover? Yeah, we sang our it. episode about it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow. In our oh, gotcha. latest episode on Swiftish Podcast. So check that out but i i loved this song i thought it was a great opener and probably one of her stronger album openers just because mm-hmm. it did a good job of setting the scene yeah i agree i thought this was fun i ranked all of the songs on this and this one i put number six so oh, wow. i mean whoa i i'm surprised i thought this would be higher than that but i'm already way I'm very off I interested in <laughs> what's know? gonna win for you matt <laughs> Yeah, we I mean, we'll get there. Uh, Okay, so then the second song, which is the lead single is Cardigan. There's a music video for this where she climbs into a bunch of different pianos. Um, (laughs) I thought this was was fine. It's sort of slow and melancholy, which I mean, is what the whole album is. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. This one really like didn't really do anything that different for me. I was sort of surprised that it was a lead it was the lead single. Were well, you surprised by this? Um, or is there a reason why she picked it? I have it at number nine. Well, did you know it's part of a trilogy on the album? Oh, yes, I did. I read enough pieces to know that. <laughs> uh, so is is that why she picked it? I mean, yeah, I think honestly, it's probably the best choice. she. I, it's probably the best she's done at choosing a lead single. Yeah. Just historically, especially after the me fiasco. I think this works because it is sort of, it's a familiar song for Taylor Swift fans. It sort of covers that ground we've seen, which is about a girl sort of waxing nostalgic for this relationship and thinking about what went wrong and, and wanting him back, but maybe not. And um, so I can see why she chose it as a single. Plus, it does show that this album isn't going to be totally autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not necessarily all going to be one, you know, list of diary entries. But instead, this is the the one take of a love triangle that's featured throughout the album with Cardigan, August, and Betty. And so it introduces these characters, which is something she mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily done before. And so I think it was a clever first single choice. Yeah, I think so too. And then with when you pair it along with the music video and you see, like you said, she goes through all these different pianos and she comes out again. Like she takes you all to these different um, locations, like to a fairy tale, you know, where everything's just glistening and it kind of like gives you like the Peter Pan vibes and then takes you to this, um, you know, to the river where she's holding on to the music for her dear, dear life. Like it's kind of introducing that, you know, she's going to take us to these different stories and locations throughout the whole album. And one of those locations is her house in Rhode Island, <laughs> which is what the third song is about. The last great American dynasty. Oh my gosh, you. Look at you, Matt. I'm proud it's of like, you. Let's go through. <laughs> Segways. <laughs> How did you feel about this one, Ashley? Oh, I loved this song. I'm I'm here for a good story. Um, it's a it's a little boppy. It's kind of 
you know, weaving in those little Easter eggs that all the Swifties like, you know, she mentions Rhode Island and you could just tell all these Swifties got excited. Like, oh my gosh, this is about her Rhode Island house. Oh my gosh. And it gives you a really interesting story for the woman who, who lives there. And she just, um, you know, side by side, like she's saying, she's a mad woman. This girl's a, this woman's a mad woman. And it just all ties it together in like an invisible string right there. It was meant to be for her, that house. Loved yeah, it. it really reminded me of um, on Red. She did a couple of songs like um, Starlight, which is about this sort of Kennedy vibe. Mm-hmm. And then she also wrote the one, the lucky one, which is about someone famous who I don't remember. But it's this idea that she sees parallels to these people's lives. And so this was just like another chapter in and it was clever how it actually was the history of her own house, which is just so weird and and right. <laughs> random <laughs> and happenstance but that she could make a song about that and it turns out it's a pretty cool story about this baller lady who married into this fortune and then when he died she just said screw it and partied all the time and messed with her dumb neighbors and then yeah like you said the best part is just this twist in the end where she sings like and then they thought she was the worst neighbor. It quieted down. And then I bought the house. So suck it. And I just loved yeah. that. <laughs> too. Uh, I don't know if this will be surprising or not. Uh, I think this is the best song on the album oh. and is my favorite, which oh my despite gosh, the, so despite that none of you guessed this. Uh, I think that the storytelling is just really interesting and really clever. It's something that I, I mean, maybe she's done it some in the past, but I feel like is it's different from a lot of her normal songs. Mm -hmm. I thought that the story worked really well. I like Mm -hmm. that twist at the end. This is a little bit more upbeat than a bunch of the other songs in the album. So I thought it sort of like based on content and tone, like distinguished itself and also has just been stuck in my head a lot. So this is the one song that I was like, okay, (laughs) a plus for this, a plus for this. You know, honestly, I, I like the song too. It wasn't like a favorite, but I was surprised that a lot of reviewers cited this as like the best song on the album. Like I think NME thought it was one of her best written songs and Variety thought it was a standout on the album. So you're in good company, Matt. Uh, It was one of my top three. So (laughs) I'm right there with you. Cute. Uh, Look at us having similar tastes this time, Ashley. (laughs) Um. Okay, so then we get the one collaboration on here, which is Exile with Bonnie Vare. And unlike the uh, ill-fated collaboration with the Dixie <laughs> Chicks where they just sang back up, Bonnie Vare actually has his own verse, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I wasn't, I'm not like a really a fan of Bonnie Vare before this. And mm-hmm. I found this song to be just very like slow and like, dirgy and plodding and I really didn't get into it it's like about like two lovers sort of singing about their disintegrated relationship from different perspectives and I was mm-hmm. just like okay like yes <laughs> but like, I realize why it's here it's a the collaboration <laughs> it, with like voice. a folk grung but I was like yeah when a pass his like deep voice oh my goodness I love the contrast be- between his voice and Taylor's voice it's just beautiful yeah, mix them together. It's sexy, Matt. It's very a... sexy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. you know what's fun about this is um, this is one that was co-written by the mysterious William Bowery. Mm. And um, oh yes, get into this yeah. for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. There's really no proof either way who this person is, but it seems to be a 
a made up name for a real person. And that begs the question, why pretend it's not this real person? And I have a theory. I think this song, I was listening to it again today and I decided it feels very much about her and Harry Styles. And mm-hmm. Harry Styles is one who's rumored to be William Bowery because yep. it would be weird for them to write together maybe and it would overshadow the song they produced. And so maybe they wanted to keep it a little hush hush. But this, I think it, it mirrors a lot of uh, w- what we got about their relationship from her exploration of it in 1989, where it was clear that there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of back and forth. And even in this song, Taylor Swift has a verse where she sings um, second, third and hundredth chances, balancing on br- breaking branches, those eyes add insult to injury, which just touches on a couple of images throughout 1989 with out of the woods where it's literally about how the monsters turned out to be just trees and they're just stuck in this forest and they're trying, trying, trying. And then in style, you obviously have a lot of images of Harry Styles eyes and just how, how stunning she found Harry Styles eyes. So that is, that's my hot take. And I think it really adds to the, the, uh, idea of, um, this song, sort of playing into her personal life mm-hmm. while how did that ha- how would that have happened though how would the two of them have written this song together what like they're just to? like still texting even though they're <laughs> harry like, broken styles up. has been the only ex-boyfriend who's wished well to taylor who's been very kind in interviews they're they've both been sort of like mature about it and mm-hmm. i would argue harry styles is really the only one of her exes who's like prolific enough to write songs like on with her you know and you don't think this is calvin harris coming back <laughs> no. oh no no no, no. no. <laughs> he what about what about uh what about uh joe jonas yeah people have mm. thought that but joe jonas doesn't write as well as harry no. styles does you know what well, how much of this song did the other person actually write you know that's another that's question. A question yeah i don't mm-hmm. know but enough that she credited some stranger on the internet so because wasn't also... the other theory that it's her boy her current boyfriend yeah joe yeah, joe yeah. alwyn mm-hmm. player yeah. of nazis and slave hunters <laughs> and rapists and film yeah, good old boy yeah <laughs> just another role um i like that theory too because it kind of ties into cardigan too the music video where she's in the um she's in the river and like the there's water and she's drowning and she's trying to get back up and it kind of gives me some some feelings and vibes from out of the woods some a little bit of that music video and especially mm. that part because she like dives into the ocean and then she, she comes up and she's clean and so i'm just looking for some kind of tie to harry styles mm, in that mm-hmm. too because i yeah. feel like there would be <laughs> yeah. yeah we can make the connections yeah. all the time and mm-hmm. i mean we're swifties yeah <laughs> and i think also this is just like a pleasant song to listen to because she did something similar with another uh on red she sang the last time featuring gary lightbody and it's a very similar theme about mm-hmm. um a hard breakup and a hard relationship but this one felt more mature in that these two people are both kind of like talking over each other about what went wrong and it just is clear that that itself is what went wrong and so I thought that was clever and fun. And again, what's exciting about this album is that, yes, there are these little Easter eggs you can take and twist and turn however you want. But it's also hugely relatable and just uh, Mm -hmm. pretty generalized so that anyone who's not like known about Taylor Swift's history can still enjoy the songs. (laughs) And 
if it is Harry Styles, we could get a a cover of Harry and Taylor singing it together. <laughs> yes. That would be that would sell out, you know, records yeah. breaking that alone. Yeah, so we're putting and that in honestly, the universe. And uh, honestly, Harry Styles genre of music is sort of like uh, not that interesting. <laughs> so I think that this would fit <laughs> for the it. two of yeah, them you're to write. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're on board with the Harry Styles theory. I mean, it I do feel like it makes more sense that it would be him who is a songwriter than for her to give credit to her boyfriend <laughs> who, as far as we know, is not that musical. Yeah. So has a degree okay. in American literature or English literature or something like that. <laughs> so that's where Joe Alwyn? Yeah. So that's where a lot of people are like telling like, oh, he has a degree in literature. He can write. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Let me tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, Shelby and I's new album will <laughs> yeah. be coming out soon. Yeah, okay. we've got to get to work on that. Um, okay, track number five, My Tears Ricochet. This is like a slower ballad. It mm-hmm. sort of like has its moment. It's rising. I'm really curious what you think this is about. Me I mean, do I think? Uh, <laughs> you don't have any thoughts? I mean, she's talking about how she's crying. <laughs> it's sort of messy. This is my one of my favorite tracks off the album. I think this is one of her best brutal takedowns she's ever written. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely 100,000 million percent about Scott Borchetta and Big Machine Records, mm-hmm. which is just delightful. Those stolen lullabies. <laughs> yes i think Mm -hmm. she does such a fun thing here where yes it's a breakup song but in her album liner she says that she describes the song as an embittered tormentor showing up at the funeral of his fallen object of obsession and this is the first song she wrote and it's her only solo track on the album so it's clear that she had feelings when she pinned this and she had to get it out and we know taylor processes hard things through songwriting and this has been a subject that has been happening that she hasn't really had the opportunity to write about in the same way or like really sit down and work out and this song is just so packed with crazy clever digs and um references and really tragic feelings and images about this whole mess where scott where big machine records didn't let her buy her didn't let her buy her masters for her first six albums and instead ended up selling them to her nemesis scooty braun scooter braun scooty. <laughs> scooty i like scooty, scooty to friends yeah. scooty to <laughs> and so i love listening to this song like literally every time i hear it just something new stands out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is the one with the funeral sort of mm-hmm. analogies mm-hmm. Yep. okay this is coming yep. back to you me. had to kill me <laughs> yeah. but it killed you just the same yeah it's- you wear the same jewels that I gave you as you bury me. I mean, these are just like, it is a good image to kind of take down to really show her hurt, her hurt feelings, but also to just be like, you really mess this up because yeah. yes, I lost. I'm the one crying, but you're hurting for it too. Hence the title, you know, the tears. One, are of, my, one of my favorite lines, because I was listening, it to, to, listening to it today is, I can go anywhere, which kind of, you know, she relates to how she's free. She can go to any record. She's like, but I can't go home. Aww. And it's, it's, it's sad because she's like, that was my home for so long. 
you know, we, mm-hmm. we made a name together. Mm-hmm. We did so much together and I can go anywhere, but I can't go home. Mm-hmm. This is all very interesting because I feel like I, uh, I had not heard this before <laughs> and I sort of just found this song to be, I don't know, like not that interesting to me, <laughs> but, but now, it now it is more interesting. Well, but yes. I also think that she does a good job of taking that and sort of hiding it in this song mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and some of her other songs i think it's more overt and yeah. and i like that she sort of has it maybe a little bit more uh reserved here so yes. yeah yes <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even the opening line is like, we line up, we've been in a sunlit room, and Swifties have pointed out that this is like, this is layered, Matt, but oh that references uh, the scene in Look What You Made Me Do music video, where the old tailors are all lined up in this heavily sunlit hangar, and they're all crying, and it's all her different past selves that have unfortunately died because in look what you made me do because of her reputation but here it's because she can't access them anymore Mm -hmm. they're dead you know like they're at the funeral too wow (laughs) (laughs) i had that song at number eight on my ranking also exile was number 11 so does it change now that you know the story Uh, i don't know I feel like as a song, it's sort of unmemorable to me. I mean, maybe now the lyrics are more interesting, but like the tune and stuff wasn't really doing that much for me. This is the first Jack Antonoff produced a song on the album. And I really loved that it popped up in there. I think it was just like it was it had that nice sort of quiet synth pop element that Jack Antonoff specializes in. And I just think it crescendos in such a good way, too, that I just I can revisit this song all the time. It was interesting because sort of the songs are, I mean, it's Taylor Swift, but then like some of them are Jack Antonoff and some of them are Desner. And I sort of thought, oh, well, usually I like the Jack Antonoff songs on her previous album. So probably the ones that I like are the Antonoff ones and then the all the slow, boring ones of the other guy. <laughs> and it turned out to be kind of a a mix like half and half so that was uh unexpected yeah i know uh so number six we have mirror ball which i kind of liked it's sort of about imposter syndrome and her wanting to be like everything for all people and needing approval it sort of has like a slow dance at prom kind of feel Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. um i don't think you would dance to it at a slow dance at prom (laughs) but that's sort of the uh, like vibe yeah. and also I liked the bridge in this so yeah I thought this was good I, I, I'd i keep this on the album it's yeah oh good I like it too That's it's good. not my favorite which you guessed well, it was but in every album I'm, Taylor Swift kind of designates a song to her fans uh, kind of like if you've heard Long Live like that's a song that definitely is for her fans and the theory is that this song is for her fans because she sings about, you know, I want to, um, I'm still dancing on my tiptoes for you. I'm still trying to, you know, make you laugh. I'm still trying to be that person you want me to be. And a lot of fans are pointing that out. Cute. Do you agree with that, Shelby? You see it? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, because she has sort of two confessional self-aware songs on this and I think Mirrorball mm-hmm. is one and This Is Me Trying is another one. Mm-hmm. But there is something strangely like, I don't know. Like it's like insecure, but it's ultimately sort of hopeful how she sings mm-hmm. this. And maybe it's just because I'm distracted by the whimsical sound. 
But I do think it is, it does reference a lot of her career here. And it seems to be, if not about her fans, then at least just this persona she's built and explaining why it is the way it is. And there are do some you like feel guilty dogs. for forcing her to do this. <laughs> really, it's your fault. Yeah. No, because I think she's saying that is she's she's not a natural, but she's trying, and that's led to a lot of this fracturing of her personality, and mm-hmm. she's figuring it out, Matt. Like I really like the line. I think it's in the bridge where she's singing about. It is sort of this image is just a girl dancing at the end of a party that everyone's trying to leave and. And it's, she talks about how the rodeo and the disco and the circus are all wrapping up. And those are all like direct references mm-hmm. to past themes of her albums with like Fearless and her country years and Red and Red. this rodeo. I mean, the circus style uh, costumes she did throughout that tour and then the disco with 1989 and all that synth pop in the 80s. And so I think it's it's a fun enough song to kind of watch her puzzle through her own anxiety and like you said imposter syndrome (laughs) which makes it makes it a more fun read than I think you get at first glance and so then I feel like we're moving starting with this like we kind of like move into a stretch of the album I think is the strongest section I guess here uh, where then the next song is seven which is the seventh track on the album very smart you're, yeah you're getting it I'm so and, proud of you you've grown so much I know I'm getting the clues <laughs> I'm figuring it out um and I really liked seven it's like it's a little bit it's sort of like a little folksy mm-hmm. it's about like sort of kind of childhood trauma I guess I I don't know what it is but her voice sounds different for me on some of these and this is one of them where I was listening and I was like I don't know what she's doing here but it's different than normal and she's it's less like whispery I guess than some of her other slow songs I don't know Matt I liked it you and me I told Shelby the same thing I was listening to this song and I looked at my phone and I was like she's not collaborating with anybody on this is she I was like this does not sound like Taylor I have this I want to take a screenshot of my notes right here because my note was seven I didn't think this sounded like her at all at the beginning Ashley we're the same person we're slowly (laughs) if you podcast with Shelby long enough our minds just have met and melted I love it I love it (laughs) <laughs> I think that's what's fun about this album too is it does allow her to play more with her voice and sort of prove maybe like obviously no one's saying that she's like Beyonce but prove to her detractors that she's not a bad singer that they've argued mm-hmm. since her bad Grammy performance in like 2012 and so I think just stripping away all that pop synthetic uh, sort of sounds and you have that delicate I feel and all that weird me stuff it suddenly is just her singing and she gets to you know flex on us a little bit I don't think it's about childhood trauma though I mean she does mention a friend's dad being mean but it's kind of like she's like I don't remember your face but I still have love for you so I, I think it's she loves this person to the moon and to Saturn well, but isn't she talking about like how she wants the friend to come live with her because her home life is bad or did I just yeah, read into I this I saw that too I yeah I, I think she wants to like save her friend from like her bad home but it's kind of like that sweet thing too like a child you know is kind of naive but will want to do anything to like be with their best friends like I, it has a little like sadness to it but I'm I don't think it's a sad song 
What's the song that she has where she's singing about her friend who like um, slept with somebody? 15, and 15. Yes. This, yeah. that was sort of the, that was where I was coming yeah. from with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, they both, yeah, yeah. And, and they both have number titles. <gasps> mm. <laughs> is it a sequel? No, a prequel. Yeah. Maybe this is the same friend, but earlier. Yeah. Get these right. Swifties on it. You know, <laughs> somebody's, you. all of her number I'll... songs, maybe 21 is later. She's like blossomed. <laughs> she's grown 22. up. 22 yeah. same thing <laughs> no i think this song is more i think it's i guess maybe a mix of your two i think it mm-hmm. is it is kind of how when you are a child you don't really know what you're seeing mm-hmm. and then as you look back you're like oh maybe like i understand what that was then and that's really sad and i i wish i remembered more about you but man i really like loved you and i wanted mm-hmm. to save you and i wanted to run away and like protect you and stuff so it's an interesting uh, angle, and I think it fits into this theme of folk tales and and sort of the the mistrust of memory. Yeah, and she even says like pass on like folk songs. Mm-hmm. Well, and then sort of after I mean, we've had this string of depressing songs here with my tears <laughs> ricochet and Mirrorball, <laughs> where she's just trying to get her fans to you know appreciate her, and then this one about a abusive father and then we sort of like need some a palate cleanser and i feel like she gives us august the eighth track like just the right time it's one eighth of month, the fewer like <laughs> oh my gosh uh, it's like one of the fewer upbeat songs mm-hmm. on the album it's just sort of about like remembering a vacation you were on with a someone that you were in love with so i mean i really like this this was my number two song on the album. one of my favorites too matt i like oh it my too. gosh but it's a one of the love triangles so it's kind of um a little different than the way you interpreted it did it yeah, i think because she keeps on talking about like you know, you never, like, you were never mine. It's that one month kind of um, that summer love and she's the other woman and okay, they're waiting behind the mall. Which are the three songs that are in the in the love trio? August, Betty, and Cardigan. Why do I have it in my notes that it's you're Betty, basic. Cardigan, and Illicit Affairs? Yeah, because basic. it's Illicit Affairs. Yeah. <laughs> There's little things in each song that kind of ties them together. Mm-hmm. Like in Betty, he talks about a girl pulling up and saying, James, get in. In August, she talks about pulling up and telling him to get in the car. And then in Cardigan, she talks about, um, you know, like she talked about Cardigan. And then then you have in Betty, him singing about you're in your cardigan in the middle of the street. We're kissing. So there's these little Easter eggs if you look at them. Mm-hmm. So whoever, though, put this together – online was incorrect that yes. it is not illicit affairs not a, not yeah. a true interesting yeah i mean i don't know i'm reading articles <laughs> in preparation for this listen to swiftish yeah <laughs> and then you'll be ready and i think most articles correctly identified it yeah. is true they they share a similar theme which is about affairs illicit affairs feels much more mature august mm-hmm. is more of well uh, okay because vibes so betty is the one about the <laughs> about the girl who's not the is about like the girlfriend and then wi- mm-hmm. and then cart wi- cardigan's about the mistress <laughs> no, no cardigan Card- is from no. the girlfriend's perspective looking back on you know past love okay. 
August is from the other girl's perspective, you know, being like, oh, okay, okay, I can yes, never yes, have yes. you. And then Betty's from James' perspective. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. okay. This, okay, we got this all straight now. Nobody Either way, I perfect. still like August, yeah. even if it is from the cheater's perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is a popular track. And Aaron Dessner even says it's like the closest thing to a pop song on the album. And so I it does it. have one that, of my favorites. That vibe. Oh yeah, my gosh, we, we all shared a favorite. Oh my gosh. So cute. The next one is my other favorite though, so. <gasps> Same. <laughs> Matt, oh my gosh. Is this the closest we've ever come to agreement on this podcast? Like historically? I don't, my top three were the last great American dynasty, August, and then this mm-hmm. is me trying. Yeah. I feel like this is me trying is just such a great like, the vibe of it is so good and it just like builds in such a perfect way so Mm -hmm. that when it gets to like the bridge at the end it just like all comes together and works Mm -hmm. i was thinking a lot about because i was trying to like go back and think of some of her previous songs and i feel like a lot of the songs which we are haven't gotten to yet really (laughs) give me a lot of like archer vibes from the last album Mm -hmm. which felt to me like a song that sort of went nowhere and didn't get to the place that it needed to Mm -hmm. and i think this is me trying is like the correct version of that where Mm -hmm. it like crescendos at just the right moment yeah i can see that it's definitely like a uh the archer sequel and And it's it's like a little desperate i liked it yeah it's a mood for everybody right now although i will i'm gonna be on the opposite side i don't hate it but it was just something that i didn't the impact it didn't impact me it mm. just was one of those songs where i'm like okay yeah it sounds like every other song um so i, don't I think what i loved about it most is that it just felt so honest for a taylor swift song because mm-hmm. she's usually very guarded and even when she's being confessional there's a sense of a wall being there but here she actually like acknowledges that wall and it feels very it feels very much like you watch Miss Americana, you see her being like, I don't want to care so much about what people think. I I want to be able to do what I want to do. And this feels like she put in all that work and she finally like had that breakthrough moment in therapy, mm-hmm. hopefully. And she was able to like process that and then develop a song like this that felt a little more well-rounded and then we truly just drop off a cliff at this point. <laughs> I feel like that like, the first nine tracks, great. Let's keep them all on the album. And then we just arrive at truly a desert wasteland. And Illicit Affairs is the 10th song. This was so boring. <laughs> it was so dull. And also she does this very aggravating thing where she like does like high notes at the end of lines. Yes. And it was just like, what is this? Cut this. This album already has too many songs. Like, nope, nope, nope. This is my least favorite song. Get it out of here. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I, it was like middle of the ground for me, Mm -hmm. but it didn't like offend me like it offended you. I did like one (laughs) of the the lines, like you taught me a secret language that I can't speak with anyone else. I thought that was really relatable. Okay, okay, here's my theory. Okay, do you think this is about Carly Claus? I think every song on this album is about Carly (laughs) Claus. If you ask the Kaylors, it's (laughs) Betty and James or a a couple, same-sex couple. There's there's one, there's a song in here somewhere that was talking about any New York references, but something was talking about Mm -hmm. the High Line, and I was like, that's got to be Carly Claus. Like, (laughs) she lives in New York. I think that's that's Cardigan, so. 
Mm-hmm. It's Carly Kloss. Yeah. <laughs> and then Betty in the garden, too, because there's that garden um, by Carly Kloss's place. Everyone. You think it will take me longer than five seconds to find a picture online of Carly Kloss in a cardigan? I think not. <laughs> nope. No, I mean, and that's what's. I mean, and that's like the thing. Is like, is it fair to speculate on celebrities' uh, sexuality? Yes, it is. That's know. what our job is. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is a argument to be had that this is about you know an illicit affair. And Taylor mm-hmm. Swift has sung about how she does not like cheaters, and so it's hard to imagine her being the cheater. And so then it's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe what's illicit about this is that it was a forbidden romance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can go into the queer canon of Kaler fanfic and really just mm-hmm. unpack this song, I think, in a way that's very interesting. I, I mean, at the beginning of the when she was promoting the album at the very, very beginning, she said she wrote from perspectives of people she didn't know, people she did know, people she wished she never knew. And so <laughs> some people are thinking like, I mean, some people are throwing it out that like maybe like it like it's very personal to her family with illicit affairs or to like mm. you know one of her friends who've been cheated I mean, on. Who so, in her family had an affair? Th- people just make up theories of reasons oh. why you know cer- <laughs> certain couples dad. are no longer yeah. together. You know, like like in one of the lines, she said, "Leaving like a father," you know, "running like the water." So some people are are thinking that like maybe it's really personal to her but that's the whole part of this whole album is that no one really 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 knows <laughs> it could be carly mm. it could be a friend of a friend of a friend it could be she watched um the good wife and she was like yeah that's it or she watched <laughs> the betty bod broderick show like it's just all these different things it could it could be Has- she got cheated on has Taylor Swift ever like come out and fully said, I did not have a romantic relationship with Carla Kloss? No. I mean, the hmm. only thing that I can Telling. think of <laughs> is um, around her birthday, I think when she was like 25, people were like saying like she was dating all of her friends oh, and yeah. someone had said, someone said that she was dating Carly and, you know, there's multiple people and she had said, for my birthday, I want people to stop say, I was, saying I was, I'm dating my friends. So I'm not yeah. sure if that's what you're looking for. Particularly. That feels like denial. <laughs> Get it off the set. Uh, but then she goes um, full hetero romance with Invisible String, and it's all about her a cute homage mm-hmm. to her and Joe Alwyn's relationship. I love this song. It's cute. Absolutely love it. Like it's a like plunky, very delicate song. I'm obsessed with it. It makes me yeah. smile. This is another one I thought could have been cut. Honestly. Oh, no. I it's was so sort of like, eh, it's, this one has definitely has it's nice to have a friend vibes. This is yeah. like a little too like well, school children in the nursery kind it. of vibe. But it also has references to like other songs that she's talked to about Joe. She, like she talks about the dive bar, you know, the gold, like how he like painted her gold. And it's just something that really like mm-hmm. she reveals herself that this is a song that is from her point of view. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And it also kind of name drops her deluxe edition bonus song that we haven't heard yet, The Lakes. So I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm all here for the song. Mm-hmm. I will not take it off. I will fight you for it. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, you know. Well, and then I'm going to guess you didn't like her feminist anthem, Mad Woman. Is that a fair assessment, Matt? You know, I mean, I didn't, I would keep this on the album. Uh, I would not cut it. It was not my favorite song. I also feel like, though, it's hard for me to judge some of the songs in the back half of the album just because when you're li- listening through it, you sort of get fatigued by this <laughs> point and they all start to mm-hmm. sound the same. Mm-hmm. But again, I thought that this was a little bit slow. And, you know, it's also, I, I, you know, some of her songs, I, I think she's best when she's not like, necessarily like trying to do something i think it's she's better when stuff comes like natural to her and this feels like a song where she was like i gotta write a song about this <laughs> although the jane Eyre, uh, uh you know references i'm always there for so good on her for that yeah i just thought this was a great scathing um like the like the older sister of the man like she's not trying mm-hmm. to be so cute about it That's, i have the other side of the man I yeah <laughs> yeah because it's like and it's clearly about the scooter Braun scott borchetta thing i mean she even has this line women like hunting witches too doing your dirtiest work for you which mm-hmm. is probably the most opaque reference on this album to when scooter Braun's wife did that post about how taylor's a brat and her husband has never hurt anyone and and she really digs into that and kind of like you know <laughs> tears her down <laughs> tears her argument to pieces and then basically accuses scooter of cheating which is a wild I know. <laughs> but she's wild a good wife accusation. so yeah. she shouldn't be mad yeah so i i vibed with this it felt like aaron desner describes it as a goth track and i mm-hmm. and i felt that vibe in 2020 you know what i'm saying like this so is wait no was this too. one of your favorites I think it's hard for me. I think I've already said that August and this is me trying. And Mm -hmm. then what other one was I saying was my favorite? Whatever the other one, the (laughs) other, uh, the one that I didn't know was bad, but then it was. um, (laughs) My Tears tears Ricochet. ricochet. Mm -hmm. I guess Mad Woman and My Tears Ricochet. It would be hard for me to choose which one. I I guess they're sort of doing the same thing. (laughs) Now that I know. Uh, No, different angles, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then uh, number 13, we have Epiphany, Mm. which uh, this was a little like kind of churchy for me. It felt like like, got (laughs) the organ out here. We got some hymnal things. That was my vibe. track too, which is her favorite number. And she always kinds of puts, you know, impactful songs on that track and this epiphany is very relatable to the summer um it was really sad to me that's all the covid feels um i wasn't i think shelby did you pull swiftish's list swiftish podcast listeners and ask like what their favorite song was and no one said epiphany yeah 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 the thing that I keep coming back to on this one is that it also sort of reminded me of like a weird alma mater song or something. That line, <laughs> with you I serve, keeps coming into my mind as something like we'd all <laughs> sing together as we go off to, you know, like serve on some kind of, uh, I don't even know, like naval boat or something. Uh, so this one really, I was sort of like, what is going on here? Pass. Yeah, I mean, she's making a correlation between her grandpa's serving in world war ii and doctors serving on the front lines of covid Mm -hmm. and just how you're not really prepared for these difficult things you're seeing but but like i think we could i think we could have trimmed this (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Well, okay. too relatable. Yeah. I mean, then you get the final of the trilogies with Betty. And um, Betty. This is the most country song. It's going to country stations and it's, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, a classic Taylor ditty about a boy who's finally learning to apologize. Well, but is it a boy? <laughs> yes, exactly. Now you're getting it. <laughs> yep. She can either Because I heard that deny. this is the lesbian anthem <laughs> on the album. Which I yeah. feel is very weird because the Swifties theory is, so in the song, she, so James and Nez and Betty, it, those are the three names that are, she tosses out. And everyone's like, oh, that's James, of course. James and Inez, those are the children of uh, Blake and her hubby, Ryan. And they're like, oh, my third child is not – we don't know the name, so it's Betty. That's – you know, that, this is an announcement of their third daughter's <laughs> name. It's Betty. So everyone's like, oh, that's so it. And if that is it – I find it very weird whether this is a same-sex couple, whether it's not a same-sex couple, like anything that Taylor would put those two people in a relationship together, James and Betty, if they're siblings in real life. I don't know. Yeah. I also read those articles. They were like, these are all names from uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively's children. And I was like, that is friggin' weird. <laughs> like, if someone ever called me up and was like, hey, I'm writing a love song and I want to uh, write it and use your children's names in it, I'd yeah. be like, mm, you know, I think you can find somebody else. Oh, it's pretty weird. You know? And honestly, there's plenty of names in the world. There's a Friends mm-hmm. episode where Phoebe is is trying to tell Ross's girlfriend that she saw Ross and Jennifer Aniston's character, Rachel, Rachel, uh, hooking up. And so off the cuff, she's like, I just wrote a song about a love triangle and someone who cheated. And this is called Betty. So people think maybe Taylor was just writing, writing the real, (laughs) the real Phoebe song here. But I will say when I first heard this, I definitely was like, wow, is this like a, a queer anthem maybe not as like mm-hmm. i think taylor swift has been accused of queer baiting in the past and that's like a difficult argument you know a difficult conversation and like is it fair if she does that i don't know but it's also more maybe she just made a queer anthem or maybe she mm-hmm. made it ambiguous enough so that her queer fans could have this song because i think it's like yeah it it does reference James. So this could just be, she wrote from a dude's perspective, but I read this article, I think in variety where the author who believes this is a queer anthem is like, what is more gay than a girl who writes a song from the perspective of a dude to imagine kissing a girl. (laughs) So, I mean, there could be something there, you know, I just think Mm -hmm. it's up for interpretation. And then I also read that Carly Kloss's middle name is Elizabeth (laughs) a la Betty. (laughs) I've never seen that as a nickname, but I did see that argument, which is interesting. Betty's a nickname for Elizabeth, isn't it? I mean, I I guess. I've just never personally known a Betty Elizabeth. I am fairly certain that that is what that's short for. Is that the Riverdale character's name? Yep. Yes, it is. Elizabeth? It is. Yes, her name is Elizabeth. Her mom calls her Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, well, look at that. This is a so Riverdale spinoff. At, I mean, I everything's thought. a Riverdale spinoff, <laughs> I honestly. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How am I just finding out you about this, Ashley? A Riverdale obsessed. podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I could. Uh, 
What a dream. Uh, the last season, and they just left us because of COVID. <laughs> I'm waiting. We didn't even get a prom episode. Okay, okay but like, we have to stay focused. Okay. You know, we're Taylor okay. Swift right now. That's the I mean, podcast. do we, what's more interesting, these last two drivelly songs on the album or uh, Riverdale? You know, Peace, which is the next one, is some people think is Taylor Swift's most romantic song she's ever written. If I could stay awake through the whole thing, I would uh, have a thought on it. <laughs> I think I think I hear your point that it is sort of like by the end of this, if you're sitting through listening to the whole album at once that you're sort of like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. is it over? Like, what's happening next? Like, what else do we have to say? But I will say, I think Peace and Hoax have some of the most interesting lyrics on the album. Is is I think Peace is the one, though, that sort of like doesn't it doesn't really have like a tune she's sort of just like it's sort of talky yeah talking yeah. over like a like a da, 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 da <laughs> in the background i know what you're saying yes i think it's the same track you're thinking of. yes so again i think that if we're if we're looking for to save space on time honestly like we, I wish that this was back in the day where we had to get you know into it like a tight forty eight minutes or it wouldn't fit mm-hmm. on the vinyl track mm-hmm. because some of these could really have you know stayed in the studio. Yeah, did you like this song, Ashley? I liked it. Um, it was funny to see some theories that came out of it because everyone there's a there's a line that says "Give you the wild a child." Everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, Taylor Swift She's is pregnant. pregnant. She's had a kid," and it's just it's. <laughs> It's very that interesting to sit back, relax, and just She see had everybody. triplets, and their names are Betty, <laughs> Inez, and James, and then yeah. she wrote a love song about it's them. All uh-huh. together. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a very sweet song, kind of pinned to Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to listen to some other of her other songs, seeing if I think this is the most romantic one of hers. It wasn't my favorite one. Um, it kind of just like – I think like, like Matt, I was just kind of – I think I was just exhausted by the end and I still haven't had that chance to really like absorb everything. Mm-hmm. It's just so much, so much. Yeah. Well, I'll just say I'm excited to break down this song line by line with you God. in about, I don't know, three, four months now, <laughs> <laughs> maybe two years. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what track is 16? Is that where we're at? 15? Yes. 16. Hoax. Oh yeah, yeah, and hoax is another one that everyone listened to it. Yeah, everyone listened to it. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, did Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift break up?" Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. was kind of what I thought too. But again, upon Mm -hmm. listening to this, it is actually kind of a romantic song that is very weird to feel that way. But I think it sort of plays into that anxiety Taylor Swift feels and has toyed with in different songs and how. She's constantly worried that she's going to have the rug pulled out from under her again, but that she's that even though that fear is hard to deal with, she'd rather like have this, you know, this relationship than anything else. I kind of think of it as like the aftermath of like if Cornelia Street happened, you know, Mm. if she if she broke up with you know the person she was singing about, she's never going to be able to walk Cornelia Street again, and then. If that does happen, this is how how she'd feel. Mm, I interesting. Know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll it's interesting to, to end it on this song because yeah. usually her stories go from to tell us. Usually her stories, usually her albums tell a a story and it arches from like beginning to ending. So I'm really interested in finding out 
what the bonus song, all the lyrics on the bonus song, it's called The Lakes, which she also mentions the lakes and um, an invisible string. And we know that she vacationed there with Joe and some of the lyrics that we've been like given from the lakes is super, super weird. I don't know <laughs> what to expect, um, but yeah. this album is could change everything. It's one for the books. I could. I could. I mean, maybe also, just hear me out, she knew that no one would be listening, so she was like, let me just throw something random at the end of this track listing, and you know, most people have, re- will have restarted or gotten out of the car at this point. I mean, it's an interesting uh, thought argument. Maybe you should listen to the album in reverse and see if it changes any of your feelings. Yeah. That's a good you know, idea. maybe I should, but here's the thing: I can't do that because then it will impact my Spotify numbers, <laughs> and I'll have Taylor Swift again as my favorite you artist. You gotta own which... it. Just accept your love of you Taylor. You are a Swifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, Luckily, you agree there's with, like we, uh, with Ashley's opinion on like fifty percent of these tracks. So, who's that is the true. biggest Swifty mm. you know? <laughs> but but uh, Lover had like a couple of songs you could definitely like listen to on repeat. I don't know if this one necessarily has that, but it this does, like I said earlier, have like study music vibes. Mm-hmm. So if I need something like to play in the background while I'm working, this could be a yeah. contender for that. Burn, yeah, that's what I was doing while I was cooking this week. I was I was in the background and it was just a perfect uh, pairing for me cooking and preparing for stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, I listen to it all the time, so <laughs> Rob's getting sick of it. <laughs> Poor Rob. Poor Rob, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, Ashley, thank you for being on here. I know this doesn't have the sexually explicit tracks that you... <laughs> well, yeah, I have, of a couple of, oh, I have yeah. a couple of rapid-fire questions oh, for yeah. Ashley. No, 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 <laughs> Number no. one being, which, which song on this album is most about blowjobs? <laughs> Illicit affairs. Oh my gosh. That, or it could be um, meeting behind the mall, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, where. What it, are they doing you know, there? You know, you don't. You don't think that, that possibly mirror mall has a has a oh. contender in there? I don't know. August, they talk about being in the sheets together and wrapped oh, up. Yeah. So it's August. Something's all the happening way. there. <laughs> yep. Another question I had is, okay, if you were given the option to cut off your smallest toe with a pair of pruning shears, but you got to spend a whole day with Taylor Swift doing whatever you wanted uninterrupted, would you do it? Oh, I would 100% do that. Yeah. (laughs) It's just your little baby toe. Baby yeah. toe. But yeah. you have to do it yourself. I would do that for probably a Get handful drunk. of celebrities. Like honestly, I I'd do that to like spend the day with Dakota Fanning probably. I don't know. Not me. <laughs> Not me. No, no, no. Like only a few people. With Dakota Fanning, you cut off your toe for Dakota Fanning? <laughs> Probably not her. I just no. I just came to mind. Maybe Dakota Johnson, but oh, not Dakota Fanning. Fun. She'd be fun too. <laughs> or oh, you know who I do it for? Zach Emma Efron. Stone. Oh. Ooh. Well, does Zach Efron? That goes without saying, Shelby. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And 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 we this isn't the blowjob question anymore. It's a it's a new one. Oh, right, right, right. Zac Efron. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to rethink my answer. Uh, so you wouldn't cut off your toe to hang out with Taylor Swift just to lord it over us. I mean, that does have a certain <laughs> appeal to it. Uh, I think you would do that a hundred percent. 
Mm-hmm. I would. I have thought about this on multiple occasions. I would love to like run into Taylor Swift somewhere, mm-hmm. ask to take a photo with her, and then in the photo have you know her be smiling and have me just sort of like look annoyed, like oh, who is this person, <laughs> and then just post it everywhere. That would that's like truly the dream. So maybe I could do that. Yeah, it would just <laughs> cost you your baby toe, and really, what is that worth? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I For mean, honestly. <laughs> Okay, well, does anybody else have any other final thoughts on this album or Taylor Swift or her career going forward? When do we think her next album will be coming well, out? Do you think we'll I get another curious. quarantine album? I was curious. Do you, would you rather only be able to listen to this album again or only be able to listen to Lover again? Oh, I think I would question. take, I think I would take a Lover over mm, this. Interesting, yeah. I think More this variety. album has... Like Lover has lower lows and higher highs than this, but there are some songs on Lover that I, you know, like genuinely like and would listen to where this, I feel like the vibe in as a whole is good and I could like play it in the background and stuff, but I don't really know mm-hmm. that there's many songs on here that I'll be like, oh yeah, let me go back and listen to this. Right. That's fair. But do you think that she'll have, I mean, quarantine is continuing. <laughs> do you think that she'll have like a Christmas album or something coming out? <laughs> I don't never say never. I know, I guess I don't but know. I don't know. I don't I don't think she'll have a Christmas album coming up. Yeah, I mean she still has to do the lover tour, so that would be pretty hard if she had two additional albums to wrestle with. Mm-mm. But one of them but then it could be a Christmas tour. <laughs> Christmas in July. For Jingle yeah. Ball. You're Is right. she still doing a lover tour? She's gonna do that oh, next yeah, summer. I mean, we paid for it and it's still there. <laughs> So. She hasn't refunded you? I think you can mm-hmm. get refunded. but So you can't get refunded until she actually says, until she reschedules the date. Oh, interesting. Like, people's tickets are still up in Feel the air. shady to me. I thought, oh, I thought oh, they no. sent notice that you could. I guess I haven't I really didn't, looked so into it. I got an email saying that when, saying that they'll right, let me right, know right. when I can do it. Oh, if interesting. and when. <laughs> interesting. I have so yeah. many emails I didn't see that. No, but she's just using all of your money to renovate her house. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Um, but no, yeah. I think it, I think we have the music we'll have for the next little while at least. Mm. And they pair really well together. You have the summer bops that you when you want to feel high, and the summer quarantine songs when you yeah, want to feel low, depressing. <laughs> yeah. I think they're good to good. Just mix Lover and this album together, and then that'd be perfect for you. Oh my gosh, the a whiplash between <laughs> look boy, or uh, whatever that me. camper uh, the me, camper song me, was. Me. No, what's the other? What's the you one where? Calm down. It, yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Between that and some of these songs. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. She Hopes. did some growth. <laughs> some growing. Um. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast, Ashley. Always a joy. I mean, best reason for Taylor Swift to come out with a new album is another podcast for us. So, Mm. or she could, or of course, she could star in another horrendous movie a la carte. (laughs) So, really, it's up to her. Could go either way. But we'll be back next week. Uh, I honestly have no idea what we're talking about. There's less and less coming out every day. <laughs> However, you know, a lot of fans have been clamoring. Big Brothers oh, coming yeah. on, Show you know, on Wednesday. We they that. want they want it. And so, you yeah, know, maybe but, we'll you know, have to do. It, 
in the meantime, though, if people are looking for content and they're like, wow, Taylor Swift is so interesting, you can always check out Swiftish Podcast um, with Ashley and I for more mm-hmm. of your Taylor needs. So we're on every major podcast and we're also on Twitter at SwiftishPod13 and Instagram at SwiftishPodcast. So at Swiftish Podcast. <laughs> so uh, check us out there and, um, you know, always get get more of a good time from this episode to <laughs> more folklore breakdowns. Well, and of course, you can also follow us at right, PSU right. Wrong <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You can send us an email at PSU Wrong at gmail.com. Also, uh, you can uh, look out for Ashley and I's new podcast, <laughs> Riverdale-ish, uh, which, you know, will be coming at, to a podcatcher near you, I'm sure, in the future. Love it. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye.